Well, welcome back and welcome to our third introduction yes. of the Epistle of Ephesians. Just like two preachers, so long-winded, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, we ain't even got to the book yet, and we're on the no, third introduction. We are, and you're still smiling about the sons of Sceva. So. <laughs> I am smiling about <laughs> yeah. the sons of Sceva because... We've been uh, discussing that uh, anybody who gets in trouble this year at church That's will right. have to be one of the sons of Scoobucks <laughs> at VBS. That's right. Does that sound there, fair? There we go. That sounds fair. Let's <laughs> walk the line. <laughs> or you'll be playing the sons of But what a story. Yes. And, and that's where we're uh, actually picking this up. We're studying the book of Ephesians, but before we really get into the book, we want to learn as much as we can about this church uh, before Paul sent them that letter. That's right. And their history is rich. Uh, their faith is, well, nothing short of just powerful and amazing. Well, we're going to see that in this lesson today. I think this event that we're going to study today probably was the event that made the decision for a lot of people. Either we're going to stay in there uh, and work hard, or this is time to back away because uh, there were some serious things going on in Ephesus that we're going to study today, and it would test your your faith, especially of a young Christian. We're talking possibly at best two years into their uh, Christianity when this event happens, and they were tested. Well, and you, you just kind of really sit back and try to appreciate their whole life they've been influenced by this pagan god, and everything that they do more than likely is in homage to this God. This is what you do for prosperity. I mean, uh, we just had New Year's resolutions a few weeks ago, and what does everybody try to do on New Year? Well, you got to eat some black-eyed peas yeah. and cabbage for health yeah. and wealth, which to me, there's nothing nastier. I, I'll just deal with it. Uh, but we have our... See my, how much healthier you yeah, can I'll, be I'll, if you well, your black-eyed I'll just... Uh, uh, I'll just take my vitamins and roll with it, uh, then cabbage and black-eyed peas. But, you know, we have our little traditions, but for them, that was everything. I mean, for prosperity, fertility, for just about everything in that day and age. You went to Diana, uh, a goddess, seeking her favor so that you could be prosperous. And, and now you have these Christians who are teaching you about the Christ, the true king, well, I mean, even if the evidence is overwhelming from a scriptural standpoint, that's still a big change. The point is we're going to see that it was overwhelming. And the people in Ephesus were very concerned about the evidence. And they were saying, look, the, where this is going to take us. But I, I'm still looking at these Christians who during their early days of Christianity were realizing about the magic and things of this nature that they needed to stop that. Right. That they weren't told that the day that they were baptized into Christ. They had to learn that. And they were seeing that. And, and they were understanding that. And so they were bringing these books and, and burning them. Not even sending them off and getting a refund. Yeah. Uh, they were burning them. They didn't want somebody else to have those books. And so uh, their faith, it, you're beginning to see the faith of these brethren. And it's very strong. It's very strong. The book of Ephesians is going to show us that. And so as we pick it up, and we're still in Acts, so we're in Acts 19, and actually we're beginning in verse 21 because the second half of this uh, is, is about a riot that's going to take place. And the riot is going to do, be due to 
concern among those in Ephesus who were making money uh, off the temple of Diana, uh, mainly a silversmith uh, who's just making these token idols and whatever else of uh, paraphernalia or souvenirs somebody would come to the city and get. And his fear is, because of the preaching of Paul and the growth of this the church, growth of this, we're not going to have anybody buying we're idols. There, yeah, there ain't anybody buying idols. And so he stirs up the crowd and does a good job with it. And he, and it's interesting, Paul was making his point to the, uh, to the point that he's saying, Paul's saying that you don't worship gods that were made with hands. Right. And so... Paul is making his point. Uh, it's not a misunderstood point on these guys' part. They fully understand what Paul is saying, that these things that we're handing out that, uh, that are you're buying from us that are so important to you, your idol that you take home and you can worship that idol at home, means nothing. And, and that's going to cost us. He says, we're making money off of this and we're going to lose that money if we allow this to continue. So he stirs up the crowd. Uh, just like in our day-to-day, -day, uh, information can spread real quick and cause a ruckus, and everybody is swarming, everybody is in a frenzy, and they all rush to the theater. So you're, you're picturing this 24,000-seat theater yeah. that is generally the home to... Uh, debates or any kind of messages being shared from the city, gladiator games, whatever else. But today it's a riot. Uh, and I find it interesting that in the text it tells us most of the people didn't even know why they were there. I was going to say that. Uh, they're, they're rioting and doing all sorts of things and they're, why are we here? Yeah, go ahead. Why are we here? Yeah, why are we raising such a ruckus? Not much difference today when fake news or anything flies through the masses. People get upset and get excited. However, there's two Christians that are being just pretty much taken against their will and thrown, if you will, on trial here in a very hostile way. And so you have Gaius and you have Aristarchus, and um, Paul wants to go, Yes, but the disciples hold him back. We don't need to be adding to this frenzy, and I would imagine they really had to restrain Paul. Paul, if he'd gone into that crowd, he would have just been destroyed, um, and they're, they're understanding that, and so Paul was the one they're really after, right. and if he went marching in there saying, I'm going to handle this crowd, he may not have gotten the chance to defend himself or defend the Lord. Now, if the Lord had decided to give him that chance, <laughs> then everything would have come to a screeching halt. But uh, the disciples did not want to take that chance. And even the Asiarchs, this is interesting. These are the rulers of this area that maybe some of them had been converted, but they're saying, we don't have the power to keep this crowd under control, and we are the rulers. Yeah. Uh, what's interesting is the defender for the Christians is actually going to be the town clerk. Yes. Uh, who we might say would be the city manager, somebody of noble position. And, and he quiets the crowd down, and his defense is, First of all, <laughs> nothing's going to happen to the Temple of Diana. Uh, I, I, would you explain to me his defense of 
this sacred stone fell from the sky. I was I was asking I was going to ask you that, <laughs> and I even looked it up before. I did too. Yeah, I looked it I up like, before. He's going to hit me with that. <laughs> and so I'm I'm really, I'm really not sure. Actually, the better translation would be image which fell down from Jupiter or Zeus or Zeus. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so uh, I guess. Well, here's what paganism. Yeah. It was it was something that had occurred. Uh, uh, Diana was considered a daughter of Zeus. Right. Now right. I'm not sure about that relationship with uh, with her and or Artemis and Jupiter, but it seems to have been something that had been cast down. And what's so funny to me is we ought to understand this today. These are undeniable facts. Right. That's what I. Something that obviously did not happen is an undeniable. Fact. Well, and part of it too was, from what I was reading, is possibly there was a stone, an yeah. image that had uh, maybe an image that looked a little about Artemis, and it had survived so many destructions yeah. and fires from that temple that you know it became an object of worship. Uh, and and it is interesting <laughs> that here's the town clerk. All right, folks, this is undeniable. Yeah. This came from Zeus. Yeah, this right. came from Jupiter. Right. So right, we're. And nothing's going to happen to Diana, so y'all need to let it go. Yeah. But also, we don't want to stir up the Romans and have the Romans coming in here and bringing their marching orders and saying, settle down. That's you right. don't want that. You want to harm your business? Make Rome come in here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because y'all we'll can't knock it off, and and they'll shut us down. And so, But in, in essence, he, he causes the people to calm down. Now, it is also interesting to note that he defends the Christians from the standpoint, they're not blaspheming. They were blaspheming. That's yeah. the whole point. Yeah. They were saying she didn't exist. It's a nonsense. That would be blasphemy. Yeah. And I don't know what he would then consider to be blasphemy against Diana. Well, but, I, I, wonder if, I wonder if it's like this. If the Christians were doing any teaching or sharing their thoughts, it would have been in their assembly. They weren't picketing and standing outside no, the temple, causing a ruckus. It, it's like Paul encourages all of us, as much as it depends upon you, live at peace with all men. Yes. Your, your goal is to convert, not to just challenge uh, at will. And I think I think uh, the town clerk could see, well, the Christians were peaceful. I, peaceful is, is probably a better term to use. And he says robbers of temples. People, not, just, people to, who today are are rioting and doing things of that nature, go in and take things. And he says, that hadn't happened yeah, yet. And the Christians, they're not storming no, in no, there. They're, they're not, they're not no, storming it's not here. happening. So I think it speaks to the attitude of Christianity yes. that maybe he, he's not a believer, but he's also recognizing they're not antagonists. They haven't caused a right. specific scene. The one causing the scene is Demetrius, yeah. who, is, who has got this crowd riled up because he's going to lose some business and it wasn't the Christians. I, I also find it interesting that it was Alexander, a Jew who had been pushed forward. I'm not, if he were a Christian, I think Luke would have told us that. So I'm not sure why the Jews were trying to quiet this down except um, they figured if something were to happen to the Christians, they were going to be swept yeah. out of this thing as well. Yeah. And so maybe the Jew was coming well, forward. We're having nothing to do with it. Not, not our fight. It's not we our don't have fight. Guys. In this fight don't, yet, don't, Alexander really doesn't put himself out right. there. That's right. So uh, he wasn't even given a chance. But imagine what it was like for those two hours for these two men 
to be on display, the fear that was probably in their heart. But I believe, and you made this point, I think this strengthened the resolve oh, yes. of Christians and probably led to the growth of Christianity by the way they saw how Anytime the brethren in, handled in, it. In Jerusalem, when there was a scene or something happened adversely, what is what do we see in the next few verses? Mm. We grew. We grew. We grew. We grew. These sort of events seem to stimulate people to even teach more and people who are receiving it understanding this must be special. Look at the resolve of these brethren. You had a whole city that was marching against them and they're still worshiping their God. They're still uh, ready to defend what their religion is. I think this really strengthened their resolve. And now we move from chapter 19 and Paul decides to leave. He'd been wanting to leave. The Spirit had been calling him to, to leave. But now he's deciding uh, to leave. He sees the growth and the strength of the brethren there. And so he leaves. Uh, and, and then he's going to come back. And so he'll come back in verse 17 of chapter 20. And this is his uh, emotional uh, reunion, but also probably his emotional salutation, if you will, in face-to-face contact with the leaders of that church and the elders. And, and this is very moving. This is an extremely moving event. And I want us to pay particular attention to, to Paul. He thought this was going to be his last time. So he yeah. had not been, he had been forewarned by the Holy Spirit that something was going to happen to him in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And yet he still wanted to go to, to be there to, uh, on Pentecost, to be uh, there with the brethren. And so his resolve was to go, yet the Holy Spirit has been saying, you're going to be in irons and chains if you go back to Jerusalem. Right. But he did. He went. and But he's, he's, he's saying to them, I likely am not going to see you anymore. And so I'm going to get my point across to you, you elders, the thing I want you to remember about me and about my teaching. And so they actually meet uh, on location, not in Ephesus, no. but on Paul's journey. And so... He sends for the elders, and the elders come to him. And I have the message that he shares with them divided into four parts. Um, And so this is a very powerful and emotional message. The first thing is he talks about his ministry, um, how he served the Lord and served the Lord in humility and with tears, uh, but also trials. And he didn't shirk back at any time from proclaiming the truth. And and he announces uh, that the Jews have always been plotting against him, but... It's the Jews he's trying to teach the most, even though it's the Gentiles who are mainly receptive to his message. So in verses 17 to 21, you you see Paul just simply sharing, this is my ministry. Uh, In verses 22 to 27, he shares with the elders probably what they're very concerned about, as well as many of the brethren, why he believes he needs to go to Jerusalem. So this is his mission. My mission is to go to Jerusalem. And don't you know they were just like Paul? Yes. No. No. Everybody's saying, Paul, no. Everywhere on his trip, all the way through. Don't go. Don't go. Uh, Probably shares a little bit about Paul's personality (laughs) and his persistence, but at the same time, it shows his faith in the Lord. Uh, Not only his faith, he had a mission. He had the contribution from all of these Gentiles to take with him back to Jerusalem and... He was, he was going to do he, that. He had committed himself. He, he had committed he himself had, to do that. And 
gentlemen, all of this contraband that I have here that you have gathered together uh, here in Macedonia and in Greece, look, I'm taking this back to Jerusalem. This is my work, and I'm going to go. Verse 24 of Acts 19, Paul says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Boy, that's a powerful, that's powerful, isn't it? powerful statement. And so you find his mission, and he said, I'm headed back to Jerusalem. But then in verses 28 to 34, here's his message to the elders. Uh, and his message is also a charge. And he's going to share with them a warning about here's what's going to happen to this church. And I, I know it's going to happen, not that he was just trying to proclaim some self-fulfilling prophecy against them, but this is how apostasy happens. False teachers come in, and Paul's warning is, elders, you got to begin with yourselves first. Yes. Examine yourself first. Uh, if anybody ever thinks leadership is just somebody who sits back in a corner office and makes decisions about what everybody else should be doing, that, that is not leadership in Scripture, not as a shepherd. Uh, and so your first examination is of yourself. And, and the challenge is, I, I think Paul's saying, not only are false teachers going to come in, but they'll come in among you. Among you. And so you really have to be concerned and watching. Uh, that's why, to, as an eldership, if, if you are a God-fearing eldership, this is your passage to go to. Uh, your marching orders as an eldership is found right here. Uh, be, be on guard for yourselves. Be on guard for the congregation. Uh, be shepherding them. Be feeding them. Uh, and just be very careful about what's being taught in the midst because savage wolves can just sneak in there, basically, well, and, and, and just devour the congregation. And it can be you. And it could be you. It be you. And so you. my commitment is to be sure... You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Your commitment is to be sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing because that's what is an eldership is supposed to be doing. We are helping each other to be sure we're not leading the flock in a bad direction. And it's the same admonition that Paul gives all of us that every time we take the Lord's Supper, there's an examination. Yes that needs to take place, yes. uh, that alertness. And so that, that's Paul's warning. That's his concern. It's not going to be confrontation from Diana or those giving themselves to the temple of Diana, the downfall of the church is going to come from the leadership. So be careful. Yes. Be careful. And, and then the fourth thing he shares is his motivation. Uh, and in verses 32 to 35, you have more about uh, what we read in verse 24, how Paul says, I'm, I'm commending you to God and his grace. I never coveted anybody's gold or silver. I wasn't in this for the money. Uh, just like our Lord Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than receive. Uh, and, and I'm here to serve the Lord. And then in verse 36, they pray together. And what a prayer that had to be. That must have been. What a man he must have been. Mm -hmm. He may have been small of stature. We all have our own views of Paul. But as what far his as a, was, yeah. what a man he must have been. And to me, I think he earned respect and people who knew him and loved him respected him greatly yeah he wasn't the kind of leader that just voice commands right he, he wasn't a he, he, he wasn't a no 
Uh, but but he wasn't just sitting back voicing commands from a corner no, office. No. He's a leader out there in front doing, serving, providing, uh, and, and sharing the gospel openly. I'm out uh, here using uh, my hands, yeah. working to help those who are in need. Yeah. Yeah, and so, so uh, powerful leadership. He was powerful leader. He was a powerful man. He was uh, a powerful influence, and he's one of my favorite Bible characters. He's just an amazing person. Well, and let's leave it with this then. So I, I think we've got the introduction here. We've yeah. at least got Acts, and what we see from the brethren is they love Paul. They love Paul greatly. Uh, elders are hugging him, kissing him, crying with him. And so when he sends the letter to them, they're not going to argue a word of it. This no. is coming from our brother Paul. That's right. yeah. And so they have that adoration and that longing for the letter. And Lord willing, that's where we'll begin next week. He, he had to defend himself to Corinth and, and his writings there. Don't see a bit of that in Ephesus. Not at Ephesus. When you see that first... I'm Paul, and I'm writing to you. I'm. I'm they just melt. Yes. <laughs> yes. Let's go. Wait to see uh, what he's saying. That, that was that was a book they sat down and read all the way through immediately. Yes. Don't you know? Don't you know? Well, that's where we'll begin next week. We will begin uh, in Ephesians. So be ready for Ephesians chapter one, and hopefully our introduction, even though it's been three parts, has been helpful to you uh, to see kind of the foundation uh, and where this church came from and what this letter meant to that church. Uh, because it's a powerful letter of encouragement. You got anything else you want I'm to say? I'm just looking forward to Ephesians. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Hopefully this has been helpful to you. And just like our brother Paul shares with all of us, may we all know the height, the width, the depth, the length of the love of Christ. And may we all be filled with the fullness of God. God bless. Good night, brother.